Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. We're live now on uh, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook and Twitter, which is Periscope. I think it it ends up on Twitter somehow. Um, We are joined this evening and we've got some rugby to talk, international rugby to talk about, no less. I'm joined this evening by Rory Baldwin. Hello. Back in from the cold, Rory. Yeah. Or band practice. Band practice, yeah. Yeah. And uh, John Anderson. Evening, folks. Um, we've got a lot to get through this evening, um, but we should tell you how to get in touch with us. Um, you can get in touch with us uh, by visiting the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, where we're going to have lots of coverage of the upcoming international matches and more besides. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at scottrugbyblog, and I'm at Cami Black. We are also, uh, we've got our Patreon page, our lovely Patreon page, where you can get additional content uh, you get ad-free episodes. You now get edited versions of the podcast as well, where where I cut this bit out, where I tell you how to get in contact with us um, and how to sign up to be a Patreon. But for three pounds a month, uh, you get extra episodes. You get ad-free content. So, and um, that's worth. So, if you go to Patreon.com/slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, you can sign up there. For five pounds a month, though, not only do you get access to all that, but we will read your name out on the podcast as a special thank you. Um, so very special thank you to George Pilly, who uh, actually signed up uh, two weeks ago, but I forgot to read his name out. Uh, we've got Neil Barraskill, Jamie Settle, and also Alistair McFadden. A big thank you to Alistair, who has gone above the £5. Now, the £5 is the, the kind of minimum top band. You can go higher if you want to. Don't go too crazy, because we don't want to start getting in trouble with the tax man. <laughs> you know, if I have to start doing more admin, then, uh, you know... That's going to take the fun out of it. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a gulf between um, everyone being able to do rugby blogging and podcasting full time, and you guys being really generous. And in that gulf is the tax man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so please be generous, but not too generous. Otherwise, yeah. we'll have to do paperwork. Or be <laughs> or be really, really, really generous in really large numbers. Yeah, so 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 we can so the so the admin feels worthwhile. Yeah. Um, if you pay us enough that we can afford an accountant, we're fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're an accountant, I don't know if that would work if an accountant paid us and then we'd pay <laughs> I don't think that that works quite. Um, there's a little bit of news tonight before we get into the the Scotland Georgia match announced today. Um, we have found out that. I mean, it's kind of been the worst kept secret in rugby, but Murrayfield is going to host a test match between the British and Irish Lions and Japan before the tour on Saturday, the 26th of June. It's going to be the Vodafone Lions 1888 Cup. Uh, The Lions are saying this is the first ever home game or the one, the first home games or the first one for a while. I think I'm sure they played. They played in Cardiff. Yeah, Yeah, they did. I thought they played in 2005. 
Yeah, did they not play against the the rest of the world at some point as well? Was there not a fixture? I think there was one in the eighties or the nineties. They did, but yeah, they played oh. in Cardiff, which ended Chris Cusseter's tour pretty much before it started because he didn't play well <laughs> and then never got picked for the rest of it. Yeah, so this is being billed as a as a home match, which depending on um, depending on how squad selections go. Um, <laughs> It could be a home match. I mean, you know, if, if from a PR angle, if even if Warren Gatlin was was to only select Scottish players for the dirt trackers, if he was just to play the dirt trackers against Japan, and do you know, it's the I think that's also going to be the day of the English Premiership final. Yeah. Although nobody from Exeter gets picked for England anyway, so that's not going to affect that many English players. They might, pick, they might pick them all for the Lions. Do that that thing where they have one. One guy who's not had a cap, he could just pick a whole bunch of extra players. Well, that's what they did in um, in '97, isn't it? Wouldn't everybody? Weren't who was uh, was it? Northampton, Ta- Gregor Townsend was playing for yeah. in '97, so, yeah. and they were in like Division Three because <laughs> professionalism had just turned up, and it was like Matt Dawson and Gregor Townsend and all these really good players playing in Division Three, but still getting caught international call ups. How raging would you be if you were? In Division Three, and that team turned up against you, you would be livid. <laughs> like you're just planning to go down, down for a social, and you, you turn up, and there's Dawson and Townsend lining up nine and ten against you. You'd be absolutely beeling. Ah, it's the yeah. amateur days, so so I don't think the golf was as big. If there's any more dirt on Saris, you never know it could happen. Now. Oh, well, yeah. it's true. <laughs> I know. I loved people saying about the, the Premiership final, and they're like, "Oh, well, what about all the Saris players that'll miss out?" It's like they're not going to make the Premiership final next year. They're not no. going to be in the Premiership next year. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I mean, there's Graham Love has already posted a picture of himself in his, his Japan, Japan top, top. <laughs> that, he, that he made out of a red T-shirt and some white sticky tape. <laughs> yeah, I bet you can't buy that on his, uh, on his shop. No, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, whether, I'm thinking of starting a business in tartan kimonos just to try and cash in. <laughs> or, yeah, those kind of kamikaze headband things. With a with a splash of tartan or something. The um, I think you can get now that part of the we didn't know this at the time, but part of the benefit of being an Everest member with the SRU is that if you sign up for the Everest membership, which is thirty four pound, I think it's a thirty four pound one off payment, isn't it? It's not like thirty four pound a month. It's like a Patreon thing. That's the Nevis membership, not Everest. The, that's it, Nevis. Aye, yeah. I'm getting about, I'm getting ahead of myself. Or, or was this the what, what? What did we dub that before? Was that the the Johnny Gray or the Richie Gray? Who's taller? Richie. 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 It's the Richie Gray. Richie um, Gray banding. So it's the top banding. If you pay thirty four pound before the first of November, you get entered. It. You can apply for tickets early, assuming that by June, you know, we're back in stadiums and stuff. There's, I mean, to be fair, I don't think the SIU are making a big enough play of that and trying to encourage people from England. To sign up to the Nevis yeah, package, good point actually. Yeah, so that's a good selling point. It'd be a lovely. I mean, that would be a lovely. I don't know, kind of poetic justice if kind of Scotland survived because of all the financial contributions <laughs> through the Nevis package and the RFU went under. Well, I mean, pl- plenty of English fans have their uh, seasons pass for Murrayfield just for the England game anyway. So, um... well, that's true. I mean, that's why that, that I think. Um, Bruce Aitchison says the only reason that Berwick are members of the RFU and the SRU is so that we can get, get tickets, tickets to Twickenham and Murrayfield. Tickets for both seasons. Smart. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Yeah, yeah so it's a sort of uh, thank you to Scotland for sending the old firm fans down there to watch the football. <laughs> <laughs> it's Blackpool, yeah. <laughs> 
why, 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 Pooh? I just don't, I don't understand it. Why not, John? Well, you get a right. Well, I don't know. Seem to be Blackpool. Uh, the show, yeah. is the, is it, what's it called? Black, Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Maybe that's open. Get yourself on the two penny slots after the yeah. game. Although, What's not to like? although with uh, inflation after Brexit, is now the in the two pound coin um, slots. <laughs> the, the two pound shove, two pound coin shove. Hi. Um, I've got a wee anyway. I've got a wee thing because obviously we'll all be sporting Japan. I thought I'd do a quick wee quiz for you. So I've I've, I've translated some um, famous Scottish sayings that you might hear in Murrayfield on match day, and I want you to tell me what they mean. Uh, so the first one. Is anata wa anata no o shiri ni anata no kuso shensa o tsukurasu koto ga deki masu. So, what do you think that means? In should we make him say it again, John? <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't quite catch that. <laughs> well, it's something where the word appears three same word appears three times. Mm, oh, that's good. Good detective work. That, Might it be something to do with chariots? Well done, John. Might and it well done involve, from swearing. Yeah, mm-hmm. might it involve a, a placing of a chariot somewhere? It is. It is. It is the famous uh, chant of where you, where where you may put place your chariot. That is correct. Uh, the next one is anata ni soro soro tad ashiku shi nasai. I'll read that one back again. So anata ni soro o tadashiku shi nasai. Well, Anata was in the last one, so it's either O or U, maybe. You. You. Um, oh, that's a tough one. That's a very tough one. I mean, they're all tough because... You know, I don't speak Japanese. Speak Japanese. speaking Japanese to it, so. <laughs> it'd, be pretty pointless, it'd be a pretty pointless endeavour, this, if you did, though, to be fair. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd, it'd, just be you, it'd just be you commenting on my pronunciation. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good job I've not been doing Japanese Duolingo on lockdown. Genevieve <laughs> has been actually, so I'm, I should probably give her a shout. But um, is this something to do potentially with? I, I, I'm going to speculate. This is something to do with overpriced pints. So that you know, ordering overpriced pints. No, it's get it right up you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going was. much more highbrow. <laughs> and the last one is Dari ni taishite. And that is Japanese. I'm not swearing. Dari ni taishite. You can cut the rape. It's not cut to the rape. I'll give you a clue. It, it appears in, in, in the national anthem. Um, Send them homewards. No. What are you going to guess, John? Um, I would uh, again. Uh, just from the riskiness of what you've done so far, I'm I'm afraid it might be additional lyrics to the national anthem. <laughs> it is um, additional lyrics, but not the ones you're thinking of, John. Which I, I I like the fact you went straight to those ones. <laughs> the other ones, it's uh, it's against two. Ah, see, yes. <laughs> I don't think it quite scans. Proud dead. What is it? How would it go? Um, as dude against him. Darini tajait. I really hope Japanese people decide to just embrace it and go with that. No, yeah, that, that I don't see. Well, well, why not? Greek should be I'm, teaching them. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> once Mr. Greek sees this, he'll he'll get a retweet on the go for his fans to 
to have a look and not <laughs> mock us friendly. <laughs> um, the big game, though, uh, that we're talking about is Friday night, uh, half past seven kickoff on ITV4, home of Murder, <laughs> She Wrote, and now home of uh, International Rugby. Uh, we've got Scotland versus Georgia. I really hope they stick hot fuzz on afterwards as well, because that was, what oh. a night that'll be. Point, point of order, I, I did uh, I did say that Colombo is mostly on Five Star or something, but they do occasionally have Colombo episodes on ITV4 as well, so you were correct in your original. They do. They have the better Colombo episodes because uh, Five Star have got the rights to the later episodes, which are rubbish. Well, yeah, I mean, we I've watched just about all of them at this point, and every Sunday you check through four back-to-back Colombo episodes and Five Star to see if it's one we haven't seen, and we've seen them all now. That five star okay. have to offer, but have occasionally seen... ITV come up with a good one. You, you, you five stars generally like the ones where the guest stars Billy Connolly. Yeah, there's a they do have a lot. I mean, they've got all the early ones or a lot of the early ones too. But yeah, the the kind of later ones. Um, Billy Connolly play a, prentice, a tennis professional. No, he was a he was a, a movie composer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, we digress <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Um, so yes, Scotland, Georgia, first bit of international rugby um, we've had for a while, and the team was announced today. So we, that's kind of why we delayed the podcast for a day because we thought it was worthwhile. So uh, we, Scotland, you've got uh, from back to front as it appears on the blog. We've got Blake Ginghorn, Darcy Graham, Chris Harris, James Lang, Duhan Bandamowa, Adam Hastings, Ali Price, Rory Sutherland, Fraser Brown, who's captain. Sander Ferguson, Ben Toulis, Scott Cummings, Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, and Matt Ferguson. And then the replacements, as Scotland call them rather than finishers, we've got Stuart McAnally, Ollie Kebble, Simon Bergen, Rob Harley, Nick Haining, Cornell Dupree, George Horn, and Finn Russell. John, any surprises for you in that? Um, a couple of names kind of jumped out. Um, obviously, there's been lots of chat about James Lang, and um, it was it was in- it's interesting to see him straight in there. Um, other than that, I mean, you fully expected um, Duhan and uh, Ollie Kebble to get capped as soon as possible. Um, other than that, probably not. I mean, for a first hit out, it's it's probably as close to a team as you would see. Whilst uh, maybe the only surprise is there's there's quite a lot of Edinburgh players in there, and I thought there might be more of a more of an emphasis on the exile players just to give because obviously Glasgow and Edinburgh have got a fixture this weekend as well and you know any opportunity to give them stronger teams for for those for those fixtures I think should have been taken and I think Edinburgh have been more impacted but than Glasgow this time round. Have they um have the have Glasgow announced their team for Saturday yet? No. Because no, I mean what we, we were speculating the other week weren't we that that it how they how they're going to manage this from a bubble point of view because I don't know whether or not there is an option to release back from to release it's a small players, squad. Yeah. I don't know whether or not there is now an option for players to go back and play for Glasgow and Edinburgh if they're within the the international bubble. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that that might perhaps that is the the kind of logic behind it and they've obviously thought well you're you're international rugby players now so you have to stay here for a while and we'll have to get the get the the 14 year olds from the academy up and up and running playing senior rugby like the, like the good old days when you get called up to play when you were far too young to be playing against adults i think that's what's going to happen it's i mean it is a a, a kind of an interesting thing because i mean 
I think um, Gav Harper was reporting that Tom Gordon's been training with the squad and Jakob van der Voldt's been seen hanging about as well. So there, there are other guys around the squad, but you know, Sean Maitland has been released to the Barbarians. Yeah, so it is all a bit. It's a bit strange, isn't it? A bit at the minute, kind of like. Yeah, I mean, there were there were pictures on uh, pictures on Twitter earlier of the un, of the, the Scotland women training, and a lot of them seem to be wearing masks in the photos that I, I saw. I think, unless mm. my eyes deceive me or my memory. Um, so, I mean, I don't know whether they say, well, if you do a couple of training sessions with a mask, then you're okay to go back, you know, because Tooney's obviously going to have a rough idea of what his team's going to be. He's going to know which guys he's probably definitely not going to pick unless there's an injury. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously Grant Gilchrist and Damien Hyland, they were uh, they reported uh, they've been released back to Edinburgh, but they're injured now, so Edinburgh can't play them either, um, which is probably not not great news for uh, for Edinburgh. No, I mean, any surprises for you within that, Rory? I mean, I, I, I didn't. There wasn't. Any, I think I suppose the the it was the Hastings Russell thing, but I guess Hastings the the kind of incumbent. So yeah, I, I mean, how many times would we go with that? Yeah, I mean the, the the like John said the the midfield um, Harrison and Lang, you know that that's probably probably nobody's idea of a good time, but that probably means they'll be amazing, <laughs> you know. Um, they'll, they'll come out and 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 silence us all with a you know with pace and verve. Um, yeah, I mean it's not the the front row looks like Scotland's first choice front row. They obviously don't want to give the Georgians too much of a, a set piece kind of platform in the scrum. So it's almost like they've had no choice but to put the the top props out to just kind of preserve their uh, preserve their game plan. But uh, yeah, I don't think you could say that there's there's much in in the way of uh, first sort of first picks that we'll see. Uh, it's good to see Darcy Graham getting a run. Blair Kinghorn's not long back from injury though. That's a wee bit of a concern. There were mm-hmm. a few guys on the on the the website who were sort of suggesting Hugh Jones, given his recent. Uh, Adventures at fullback might be a might be an op- might have been an option in there. Uh, I suppose, though. I mean, and this was this seemed to be the big thing on Twitter today that people were saying it's you've only got two backs on the on the on the bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's George Horn and Finn Russell. You know, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's like having that's four. To change the game right there. Yeah, but I suppose you within the within the the, the starting back backs and within and on the bench you've got versatility I mean, again you know gav harper was pointing out on them that, that, that george horn ended up i think on the wing against russia we know finn russell has played 12 outside of adam hastings you know in that last 20 minutes that glorious last 20 minutes um that we had of uh you know it, 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 against fiji um then there's um Hastings has played fullback. Hastings has played fullback yeah. against ha- Harris. Has played wing. It's yeah. almost a guess as what what the what the final backline will be once you know if Russell if there's something odd happens or if Russell comes off. It's interesting, isn't it? That probably, I mean, probably Ali Price and Duhan are the only ones that really have probably like a single position and you wouldn't necessarily want to see them anywhere else. Ali Price played yeah. the wing against the Ali Price that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that game I, that we don't mention. With that, yeah, yeah. That, that shall not be named. But I think there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of versatility out there and mm. people, Lang can play 10 as well, which is obviously another option. So if all sorts of madness happens and we end up with 
Lang, Lang kind of having to fill in there, then that's an option. And at that point, we're probably putting Cornell Dupree in the centre, so that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about who who really kind of missing Gray and Hogg and Skinner, I suppose. So, yep. you know, you look at that team and you think, well, Gray comes straight in for Toulis, Hogg comes in for Kinghorn, Skinner potentially comes in for Cornell Dupree or Rob Harley or Nick Hainan and any of those ones. Probably Rob yeah. Harley, actually, because Rob Harley would, would yeah. provide lock and back row cover. He's, yeah, he's the 4 6. So actually, within that, I mean, maybe Matt, you know, but again, you know, Matt Ferguson's in there, but I, I don't know who else. Really, it's kind of someone from the bench is going to come in and replace him. There's no, but I suppose apart from Sam Johnson hasn't had much game time. He's maybe the only <laughs> name that's missing there that isn't involved in a premiership final that might kind of walk straight into the side where he like match fit. Against Wales, yeah. Or Sean yeah. Beyond. Yeah, I mean, the thing that, Thing that I found quite interesting was it, he's almost it's almost like a, a trial a national trial for for the number eight shirt because we still don't really have a clue who's playing number eight mm. and he's basically put all three of his um, <laughs> all three of his options on the on you know on the team so he's probably going to just say right whoever plays whoever plays the best can uh, can have the shirt against Wales maybe I don't know yes, it might it might be. Well, Cockers has decided that Hainings a Hainings a second row now. So, um, is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, t- he tried that. I'm, yeah, it's that ballet training. Not, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it would make for a good lifter, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not convinced that Nick Haining and all his massiveness is going to be a, an effective second row. It depends, I suppose, what kind of number eight he's looking for. I think that's really anything we've, we've ever really got to the bottom of that yeah. with Scotland. Is it, it's not? I think we've we've imposed our own idea. I think not just we as in on the podcast, but Scotland fans in general have imposed their own idea of a Billy Vinopola style, yeah. you know, crash ball eight who's going to make yards with ball in hand, and we've never had that. But I'm not actually sure that that's necessarily what Townsend has always done with his eight anyway, John. No, he hasn't. I mean, he had at Glasgow, he had Strauss, and um, Strauss done done a lot of that heavy carrying, and and could could be really devastating. Um, unfortunately, that didn't really translate to the national uh, scene or the international scene. Um, but I think you know, I think he's got three very different eights there in that Haining's probably your closest to your kind of Bosch merchant as it would be known Cornell Dupree's got um, a bit more kind of he's probably more uh, of a ball player uh, and Fagerson's probably in the middle uh, what I've noticed about Fagerson in the, the, the couple of games this season is uh, again, I know he got sent off last year for kind of um, let's say that, that aggressive arm into the in, into the contact um, but he seems to have dialed that up a notch further this year so it's either going to go he's going to be absolutely smashing people out the road or he's going to get sent off and I don't think there's anything in between Yeah, I suppose the other thing Rory is that really the your ball carrier in the back row is Hamish Watson <laughs> who just pings yeah, off people Pretty much, yeah bounces around, I did forget about Blade Thompson who's also in the squad Injured, yeah but, is he um, injured? It came off against uh, Edinburgh. No, against Glasgow. Sorry, it came off against ah. Glasgow. Um, oh, well, that would that would explain why he's not in the team too. Yeah, yeah. There was talk of 
rib injury, I believe it was. Because he could have been... put him in instead of Rob Harley. And then had definitely had all of his number eights. Oh, yeah, team. yeah, just everyone, yeah. But I think I mean, we've talked about the fact that Rob Harley's having, you know, we're in the middle of a, a Rob Harley renaissance, aren't we? we Rob are, yes. A Rob renaissance. He's got his dad, he's got his lockdown dad bod. <laughs> he's rocking, but, rocking it hard. I know, but he, you know, he, he suits it. Yep. He wears it well. And he's, like you said, John, you know, he, he kind of is, I think we'd all written him off as, well, that's him back at Glasgow and, yeah. you know, he'll do a job and he'll fill in, but he, you know, something, someone, someone's lit the fire underneath him and he seems to be playing some of his best rugby in years. Yeah, he is. And I, th- I think it's good in a sense that, you know, you've got these bigger squads just now for the international window and um, guys like Harley uh, are are getting maybe rewarded for some of their good form. Um, there's probably still a question. There's probably still a question to say, you know, is he... Is he really at the level of being able to play a Six Nations match, or is he at the level of being able to play a you know a test against one of the one of the top five teams? Probably not. But you know what you're going to get with Rob Parley, um, and almost in the same vein as maybe a Tim Swinson, you know, he's not going to be a first pick internationally, mm. but you're not going to hesitate to throw him in if you have to, and I think that's not a bad thing. But it, Pro 14, Pro 12, Pro question mark level, he's been utterly brilliant. Yeah. Uh, there's a few uh, comments in on Twitter, Rory, that I think you put a thing out today asking for people's impressions of the squad. Um, Richard Gray got in touch and said, uh, should Mish and Sutherland be wrapped in cotton wool this week and throwing someone like Cowan in to see where he's at and maybe Jamie Batty too to get him some game time? Yeah, I mean, that's a fairly, fairly sensible argument there. Um because we know th- those guys are going to be key against against Wales. They were having very good Six Nations um, way back in the first first part of the Six Nations, and we kind of want that to continue um, because that was that was kind of setting the platform. That and the, the kind of improved defence was setting the platform that Scotland were you know were doing okay. Um, so yeah, there's definitely an, an argument to uh, to suggest that the likes of Cowan, for example. Um, could it could have been in there? I mean, thing thing with uh, with Rob Rob Harley is he? I think he's sort of filling the Skinner Skinner role of a kind of utility, yeah. either a second row that can play back row or a back row that can play second row, mm. um, which Townsend seems to like. Um, and there isn't really, you know, he's he's the with his in Skinner's absence, he Rob's probably the next next best thing to that. But I suppose Cowan can play that role as well. That's the that that's the. Yeah. The thing is, because because Cowan has played second row, I think for Scotland in the world, I think certainly filled in there. In yeah, the he has. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting point. The the other one was, and I'm going to throw this at you, John. Uh, when was the last time there were so few Glasgow players in the Scotland backline? Just because Sandy's not here, and I feel it's my business to to throw that at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um... Someone, someone on Twitter um, mistakenly suggested that there was uh, no, no, even any former Glasgow players in the back line. Forgetting, of course, the the, the nine and ten are Glasgow. Um, yeah, it's been a long time since we've not seen any Glasgow backs, and I think it's probably just as well. It's a second team that we're putting out. So, um, so Graham, um, that was a subtle dig, John. I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when Cammy's face was going to gloss over. I was just glossing over it. <laughs> Moving on to avoid the letters. Um, Graham Again. says the punt, punt and Vandermeer were to bag a hat trick. 
I wonder what the odds are on that. I, my bets have been terrible so far. So yeah, I mean, if you think like Visser, Maitland, they've you know kind of wing wingers that have arrived with a little bit of fanfare from from foreign pastures and um, have actually had pretty good first tests. Yeah. I mean, Maitland, I think he scored scored in his first couple and then went into the try scoring wilderness for a wee while. But and I mean, Visser kind of took to it. So yeah, Duhan, uh, it's a good chance to to bring him in and stop stop South Africa capping him and so that we can start hyping the Duhan versus Cheslin Colby matchup at some point in the future. See yeah. if the, if this was the early noughties it would be a celebrity death match. Uh, yeah sort of thing we could do for that, wouldn't it? Um someone saying um they would like uh, just Jay on Twitter um says he would like to say seen Scott Steele get a run. I, th- I mean, I think the, the problem with some of these players that are kind of on the fringes is this is we're not in. No- if we were in normal times and this was a normal kind of test and we'd had, you know, a full season of normal autumn, yeah, normal autumn behind us, then I think there'd be an argument for that. But we've not, you know, some, the Glasgow players have had, you know, a handful of games. Edinburgh players have had a, a few more because they've and they've maybe had more mean- meaningful games. And there's a dig back at you, John, um, under their belt, but. It, you know, there is that element of I think he kind of has to just roll the dice and play as close to the strongest team as possible, Rory, because after this, it's you know, the next game against Wales is a meaningful game because potentially, whisper it under your breath, and as fast as <laughs> it might be, we might still, we could still potentially win the Six Nations. Yeah, I mean, math- mathematically, it is still possible. Um, and I think in terms of targeting the Wales game, you know, they should be looking at. Yes, it's an away game to Wales, which we don't traditionally do well in. But you know, it's not the millennium. There's no, there's no fans. It, it, it's about as close to a, a neutral fixture as you're going to get, um, unless they're going to be playing loads of fake noise or something. So, um, you know, that that's a great chance to go down to Wales and get a, get a good result. Um, and you do, but you need the you need the team to be firing from that because they can't do that thing of going down to an away game and spending the first twenty minutes asleep. And especially if you've got Finn coming back into the team, you've got to presume he's going to be starting that game. Um, you know, it's going to take... It, it, it's not a case of him getting up to speed with the rest of the team. It's a case of getting the rest of the speed team up to speed with, with the sort of dances that he's going to pull. Um, and I mean, I think that they said that Townsend is that. I suppose the Finn thing's interesting because Townsend has said that it was you know he was he was only able to arrive in the team hotel I think on the Monday. I think he was actually there the Sunday night, Ali Price said, and you know, we're all very thankful that he behaved himself and he's still in the team and he obviously is, you know, staying either the drink policy has been altered or he's being a good boy. Um but he's still there. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they've maybe they've just changed the labels and all the drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Giving him Bex Blues. Saying, yeah, that's that's proper, proper beer thing. Uh, but th- there is that, I suppose, that thing, John. If he's not had the time to get up to speed, and as Rory says, other 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 people haven't had time to get up to his speed either. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. You know, it's obvious. Obviously, it's always a challenge when you come into international camps when you're a player who is not under the the SRU kind of jurisdiction you know you're coming into a different different game plan different calls all, all the all the sort of things but a, a player at the level of Finn Russell you know it doesn't take you long to to really pick up uh, where you left off even after a, a longer absence but I think you'll probably see against Georgia that there'll be 
there'll be an early-ish change where Finn will come on and probably go to 10 and you may see even maybe to kind of nurse player Kinghorn coming back from injury, you may see a Hastings shifting out to full-back and, and that then being used to kind of just get Finn back in the saddle a wee bit and um, but yeah, I mean, we would all like obviously Horn and Russell to come on, Lang and uh, Price to head on off, and then Cats at Rave to arrive. And uh, <laughs> that's the dream, John. That's the dream. I know. Dream. Oh, Fri- there... Friday night, Cats at Rave. Friday night, <laughs> the um, the big question marks was that's been raised about Finn Russell in the last week has been his. You know the, the inconsistencies with his game, Rory, and particularly that that European final against Exeter, where you know for the outside, those who you know maybe only see Finn Russell play highlight the highlights of Finn Russell, um, i.e., people who aren't Scottish or watch racing regularly, were, you know maybe were a bit taken aback that he does blow hot and cold in matches in because things don't always come off. But we know that you know for everything that doesn't come off, something spectacular. Will and I said, you know, is it that you just have to take the rough, rough with a smooth Finn with Finn Russell? Otherwise, he's not, you know, he's not Finn Russell, is he? Yeah, I think. I mean, there there were lots of uh, they were actually quite pleasing to see uh, quite a lot of articles and things in the the days after that European final, saying, you know, that this is this is what Finn does. He's not as bad as you think he is because he makes a couple of kind of glaring howlers and actually, you know. 70, 75% of what he does is 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 very good or better. Um, I mean, you certainly saw that with the, the tries that he created for uh, for Zebo. Um, I mean, personally, I think it's part of uh, part of his his new master plan because he's thrown that long miss pass so many times. He's now he's going to have a new special move where he fakes that miss pass and he's going to start using like uh, Lang and Harris inside, you know, cutting or the sort of Sam Johnson line like he did with that. Like he did in the, that Calcutta Cup against England, where he threw that, where he was looking for the no look pass, but he threw the little sort of <laughs> shuffle pass on, and 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 Johnson went bursting through, um, which was probably equally, you know, equally as skillful. Yeah. For me, the only maybe the issue was was something that was mentioned a lot after that game was the drop goal. Um, mm-hmm. would, should should he should he have that in his in his armory? I mean, we know it's not really in his nature. But should he have it in his armory for, for these? <laughs> if someone says, "Right, Finn, you have to just empty your mind. We're going to go for a drop goal here." Presumably, they would say it in French, um, and then he wouldn't understand it. So he would just <laughs> throw it in pass it you have one, maybe, drop maybe that was the issue yeah. all along. The goal to drop, super play, and then, uh, <laughs> and then he ki- and he kicks it, and you know that would have been enough to would have been enough to to win it potentially. Yeah, but what he yeah. would have probably tried is rather than drop goal, he would have dropped it and then dribbled it through someone's legs before throwing a new pass out the back to nobody. Um, and you know, maybe they'll go they'll go the length of the park and, and an intercept try, or they'll end up it'll bobble up and they'll score under the posts. It's you know, you just never know what he's going to try. I think the drop goal thing. I said rather... that Alan McDonald with the fantastic triple bluff I like that. <laughs> yeah. A fake backwards knock on that. Yeah. So he's pretended to fumble the pass, <laughs> but he makes sure he does it backwards so he can then kick it. Well, he can um, juggle, of course. He can, yeah. yeah. So that would do well. That was good. The um, I, I suppose it's that we don't. What we don't know, and I think this was what frustrated me with the drop goal chat is we don't. We don't. We don't know who was calling that, and I, you know, he's 
obviously part of the leadership group at Racing, and he's, we know he's heavily involved in discussions about around their attack. So he would have had a say in it, and, and potentially could have called it. But you don't know who you don't you don't know if the forwards are saying no, we want to keep trucking up. We think we can. We think we're wearing them down, or we we think the space out wide, and you know we can finish the game. So it's I, you know, on the one hand, yes, he could have dropped back for the drop goal, but if we don't know whether he was. For all we know, he was screaming, I can drop back and get a drop goal. And he's got you know, the scrum half of the forward saying, no, we're going to keep sticking up the jumper and going no. for the try line. There was, there I was mean, five minutes yeah. on the clock as well. So, yeah. you know, you're just, yeah, admittedly, yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the last gasp, but I mean, the, the his scrum halves didn't really uh, cover him in glory in that game anyway. No, um, no, they should have hooked to Rebaran after about 10 minutes and got Mashno on. <laughs> It was pretty yeah. dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah. It's a good game, though. Great game to watch. Great game, great game of rugby. One of one of the best I've seen as a neutral in a long, long time. It's cracking. It's dull, isn't it? If people don't make mistakes. Oh, yeah. We don't want that. That's just like watching Leinster. Nobody likes Leinster. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nobody, uh, nobody does like Leinster. <laughs> exactly. That's, true, that's, yeah. that's why, because they're too good. Um, I'll uh, I'll ask for your prediction. I mean, I don't think anyone's predicting a loss here. I say, kind of waiting for next week when I've got to replay that clip of, the, of me saying nobody's predicting a loss here. But <laughs> um, really, what 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 should Scotland be targeting out of this game? I guess that's that's the big question: is what what are they looking to get out of it, other than everybody coming through unscathed? Well, there's, I mean, it's not really a competition, but uh, equivalent of a bonus point for tries would be nice, and obviously the win. Um, let's get get do get Duhan on the board. Yep. Um, other than that. To be honest, the main priority for me would be get that front row through the game intact, because actually yeah. that's probably the that's probably the area that Georgians are likely to do the most damage is the front row. So it does. I can see the logic behind it, but um, it's also uh, yeah, because that those guys have just started to take Sutherland's form. Looks like it's kind of picked off from where he was in the Six Nations. Fraser Brown at the moment looks far better of the two hookers choices we've got, and there's Zambags is. Had a you know had a great couple of games for Glasgow, so I think you know that's the first choice front row, and that we want to face Wales. So getting them through the game intact would probably be. I mean, you'll want to get Kebble on and get him capped. So yeah, yep. you hope that that kind of drives it a bit. Ollie Kebble, as we noted today, who looks like uh, Ulysses Claw uh, in the Black Panther, or Andy Circus playing Ulysses Claw. Yeah, a that. larger version, obviously, but not that much larger. <laughs> <laughs> No, Cir- Circus really goes for it in that movie. He, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether or not the fake arm would be any good for for the bind. I mean, he might Having get away a, a vibranium with arm. I mean, he does get pinged a lot for 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 his for his bind, so maybe he does need a vibranium arm. Maybe that's maybe that's what's happening in camp, and it's actually yeah. it's part of a like a multi-stage transformation. And the the blonde hair was just the first first part of it. And it's actually to hide. Uh, the vibranium injections he's getting. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, John, what's your? What do you think Scotland need to get out of the game then? Yeah, I, I think I'm. I'm kind of thinking about this game as as sort of like um, like a like a Formula One test almost. The very first sort of shakedown. I think they call it when the cars go out and they do the run and they just test all the systems and they check everything's working as they anticipated. I think that's all we're kind of looking for, just making sure we're getting uh, getting the cobwebs 
uh, of um, getting guys like Duhan kind of running the lines that we want to see, getting everybody kind of functioning um, as best as we can, because obviously we've had limited minutes um, for these guys coming into camp and we we don't want to peak now. We don't need to peak now. It's about kind of the competitive games that are coming. And, you know, we obviously have to think about the, the, the autumn series uh, and consider that competitive as well, because, you know, obviously there's... There's a Jeff Bezos cup is up for grabs. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and we yeah. don't for once we don't want to end up playing the last game at Murrayfield because I no, no, a terrible time of it. Against Georgia again. Yeah. Do you do you think all the players if if you win the Jeff Bezos Cup, do you get an Amazon Prime membership for free? Well like an Amazon black card. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, guess. yeah. And then you the can pro- watch then you can watch the tests uh, back on Prime. I think you get, uh, if you lose, you have to go and work in a distribution centre over Christmas. <laughs> Straight down to Guruk, off you go. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, a couple of, Alan McDonald says, you can't get excited about who plays hooker after realising it's a matter of who plays 20 minutes longer, which is very true. It's one or the other. They're fairly, they're, they're fairly interchangeable. Ewan Ashman's been called up from Sale Sharks, apparently, as, as cover. Has he? Oh, good. Yes, this week. So that's interesting. Um that's it for Scotland, Georgia. So we'll come back to that next week and we'll do a wee match review. We'll have player ratings and a match report up on the blog as well at some point once we work out who's doing what and draw draw straws for it. Um, we'll probably fight that. Depending on how terrible it is, we'll be fighting to do, <laughs> yeah. not to do the match ratings. Um, the other game at the weekend, um, Scotland women resume their Six Nations campaign against France. Um, it's, a, it's a really strange bunch of fixtures the women's one because they've whereas with the men's six nations they've gone straight into in in order they've they've shifted the women's ones about a little bit so technically scotland should be playing italy first but they're not playing them till december and the france game's been brought forward but some of the other games have been played in order so it's looking at the six nations fixture list is an absolute nightmare so um they're playing um so scotland women are playing um i'll get the right page to make sure i'm not uh got this got that i've got definitely got this right here we are so they're playing france at 4 20 that's live on bbc alba so wonderful to see um to see rugby back on bbc alba yep. um i don't know whether they'll be doing how did i don't know if they'll be doing crowd noise that'll be interesting because obviously um the pitch side mics will be there as will the ref mic and i assume one of the reasons they have crowd noise on the Pro 14 coverage, as much as everyone complains about it, is to to cover some of the stuff that goes on on the pitch. <laughs> you would think. So that would be that, interesting, and that will still be that will still be true of the women's game. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to sitting down and watching that with the kids on Sunday afternoon at twenty past yeah. four. Um, not only having to, not only with the Gaelic commentary, and having to explain that to them, uh, but also the maybe if I just tell them any any words they hear, they don't. That, it works actually very well. Any words you don't hear, just tell us Gaelic. Yeah, that's just sorted. Yeah, we'll be fine. So it's it's a really hard game for the for Scotland women because a lot of the squad um, are based in Scotland for Scottish teams who haven't played since lockdown. They've been in training. Premier 15s players have had a couple of games under the belt. So you've got your, um, you know, we've got the player, we've got a, a, a plethora of players at, at Loughborough Lightning, 
um, and a couple elsewhere. So we've got um, Abby Evans is at Darlington. Um, there is um, Rachel Malcolm and who else is it? Loughborough Lightning. Leah Bartlett is at Loughborough Lightning as well. And um, Helen Nelson is another one. I'm looking here though. So I was like, there's um there's quite a quite a small squad that they've named, and it's Brian Easton's taken over um coaching. Um France, on the other hand, they've been playing their players have been playing since September. Not only that, but they you know they're up there with England in terms of the top two side. England and France really are the top two sides in Six Nations. It's it's gonna be a difficult game, John, this for <laughs> Scotland. Yeah, I mean just from yeah, just from, just from the, the the very fact that the some of the some of the team have not really had a competitive fixture uh, of any sort. Um, it's it was always going to be a difficult ask, and we we do struggle against France usually anyway in the women's game. So you know you would kind of expect them to struggle anyway. I just hope, um, and I. I kind of hope like a proper French team turns up and we don't know what they're going to do and they just do <laughs> mad stuff and a French, then French a French French team yeah. yeah like like a proper French French team and then it kind of gives Scotland a chance to get into the game because I, I would really really after I mean there's been a lot of positivity about maybe some of the progress the Scotland women have been making uh, over the last few years um they've had a few quite decent results and you would hate for that to kind of be eradicated for whatever reason you know obviously you can make you can make excuses for not having played games and stuff but if you were to take a thumping it just always it's never a good look no i think that i mean they took they, they lost 53 nothing to england in february you know which and Eng, you know england, like england and, and france are there streets ahead of everybody else just in terms yep. of you they've pretty much both got full professional games going in the country. I think that the thing is probably what Scotland are needing to target is, is to look for the small wins and the small games within the game and not worry about the overall score yeah. to try and kind of win the bat, win, win a couple of battles and really kind of come out having maybe given France a scare early on or, you know, kept them within... I mean, even, I mean, and this, you know, I'm not wanting to do them down at all because I think the, the women's team have done. But if they keep within 20 points of them, I think would be a, would be good given that France beat Wales 50 nil. Yeah, true. Um, there's an opportunity, yeah. I think, for for Scotland for Scotland women overall because they, you know they, they did come close to Ireland. They at the minute they've only played two games. The fifth out of six, Wales are bottom. I think there's an opportunity for for, for Scotland women to kind of. You know, overtake Italy and end up kind of mid-table. I think that would that would be real progress for the Marori. Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, they've really got they've got nothing to lose in terms of this tournament. Um, Philip Doyle was obviously he looked like he was he was kind of having a positive effect, but um, obviously he I think his contract was up in December. It may well have been renewed, but they've you know he's kind of stepped down due to I think he was shielding from yeah from, yeah, was, from yeah. COVID. So obviously they, they've had an interim. So it was actually you know before that news was announced, it was looking quite hopeful because it seemed like they would have a you know a good bunch of time together in the autumn, probably more time than you'd get in the in the you know during the course of a normal Six Nations almost because it's like it, it's you know the solid solid block of games. Um, 
physical, you know, tough on the tough on the bodies for the, the men and the women's players, but in terms of kind of intensity of training, and that's probably the sort of thing that the, the Scotland women's side need need to, in order to to kind of develop. And so it's a wee bit of a shame that um, that Doyle had to had had to step down, and um, it'll be interesting to see how the recruitment process goes. I'm not sure what the recruit, you know, the market for coaches is like at the moment with restrictions on people traveling. Nobody's really going to want to move, so. Um, maybe Brian Eason is, is the man to, to kind of keep him going forward, but we'll, I guess we'll see what sort of uh, impact he, he can have. Yeah, I think it was it was you know Philip Dollard come with with a really good kind of back. I think in terms of what he'd done with Ireland women, mm-hmm. and I think he had you know that Scotland beat South Africa I think in the last summer. Yeah, you know the women's team beat South Africa last yeah. summer. So there, there is there's a lot of pro. It kind of reminds me of where the men's team were maybe about five ten years ago that there were beating the likes of Ireland occasionally and you know, they'd win the odd game and you really kind of to not end up bottom of the Six Nations with was a was a good that was a good Six Nations for us. But there were you know there were kind of positives you could take from games. And you look at where the men's game is now in Scotland internationally and you know they're kind of taking a long view at it, there's progress there and you may hopefully in ten years we're talking about something the women's game being in a different place. I mean, certainly the, the talk of there being a, I think Premier RFU are obviously struggling, and I think there has definitely been talk of an opportunity there for for a Scottish professional women's team to be playing down, playing a kind of Anglo Welsh tournament, John. Yeah, yeah, we we mentioned that previously, hadn't we? And it was it was one of the things we we kind of discussed at length as to you know the opportunity that that would present and. Whether I think it was mentioned in the context of the potentially the third a third pro team for the men's game, and you know whether it would be taking funding away or all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it's only going to develop more, um, which will be great to see, and hopefully Scotland can continue to make some progress. Um, as you say, it's, I always find it a bit disheartening though when you like when you talk about taking wee wins, you know, in games, and maybe, maybe that's just, uh, like, probably got beaten too many times uh, for club <laughs> side, but it was always the chat, you know, oh, let's win the second half, boys. Like, oh, God, really? That's where we're at. Oh, no. <laughs> I worked in that Calcutta Cup. Just about. It did, yeah, that's true. That's true. It did, that's yeah. True. Um, there was a tweet, I'm trying to find it now. Um, there was a tweet from Rona Lloyd, and I can't find it. It was it was a couple of months ago, and so I might be struggling to find it. Which he was kind of talking about the, I think it was a Will Greenwood podcast where he talked about the, the money that they get from, uh, you know, that the, the England players I think get for an international appearance, and she was saying you know half of that would, would allow her to be a full time professional and not have to kind of work on the side or or or, or, or generate extra income, and I suppose that's. Is is there an opportunity in rugby at the minute, well, within Scotland and and elsewhere, to kind of take a look at that and say, could there be a a realignment of finances so that women professional players are paid fairly, or certainly paid enough so that they they don't have to do take on extra jobs or supplement their income, and you know, men's. I'm not saying rugby. You know, there are you know obviously the kind of there's the top paid players who are paid you know more than enough and then you know obviously there're probably like professional men players who are, who aren't paid you know aren't paid you know mega bucks but maybe there needs to be a a realignment given the the opportunity we've got under covid rory 
Yeah, I mean, so so she was saying basically a couple of games for England would be enough to kind of cover a cost for a year. Well, no, so, I think half half one half a, half of a match fee, half of an England half match, match fee, fee for a man yeah. a male match fee would be enough to that would cut that would be enough for her to pay right, yeah. professionally for a year without having to do anything without having to supplement her income or anything. So yeah, the figure I mean, in this video is right. Getting half of what men get in one game would allow me to train full time for a whole year. It would literally be a dream come true. Women's sport isn't even asking for equality. We're asking for a fraction of that. Yeah. If you, can find, if you can find, yeah, if you can find someone with the, with the, you know, to to fund it, I think it it would definitely be, uh, it would be it would be great to give them give them that opportunity to put them on a level play, level playing field with the you know the players in, in the the likes of England and France where the 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 women's players are getting a a bit more of a leg up, and and are and are a lot tougher proposition on the field as a as a result. Even just thinking about it logically, right. See this idea of the match fee, right? So you get paid to represent your country. The benefits of you being an international and representing your country, you always, 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 always get more bargaining when you start to negotiate contracts with clubs. You mm. get paid by your club. You get a good salary from your club. Why do you need a match fee from your country as well? You're getting all the exposure, all the opportunity to go and make yourself a world-renowned international athlete, and you, they have to pay you twenty-five grand to do it as well. I, it doesn't make sense. I suppose, well, I suppose that's the answer, isn't it? If you you get rid of match fees for the male, male yeah. players, and you give that as a that, that, that's your full time, yeah, that's your full time full time salary for your professional women. There you go. That's yeah, a starting rugby. point. Completed it. Completed I, it. That's, that's it. it. And there's What's no next? reason, there's no reason why the male players couldn't do that if they're nope. feeling generous. Okay, yeah. Donate the match fees. Can I mean, you imagine I mean, Haskell's I'm... face, though? Can you imagine if you said that to James Haskell? Think mm. what he would do. He would explode. Like, it would be hilarious. I'd also point out um, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, if any of the Scotland players wanted to donate their match fees to us, we could, we could, <laughs> we could do what we want to do for a year as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> as I said, yeah. maximum Patreon is not uh, the You know, that's 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 only a suggested maximum five pound. We will read your name that's... out as well if you want yeah, us to. Jo Johnny Cash. That's his. That's his nickname. I, I tell you right what, if, if, if some if a Scotland player wants to donate their match fee to this podcast, uh, I'll write them their own jingle. <laughs> oh, now yes. we find out who the real fans are. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Does that extend to fans as well, though? Like, if they want to, you know. Oh, I mean, if someone wants to pay us ridiculous amount of money, I'll write them a jingle. I'm not saying it'd be a good jingle. It'd be a jingle. <laughs> I, w I was actually going to say that if anyone, if anyone out there is uh, wants to sponsor the coverage of uh, on the on the blog of the international yeah. games, who they're more than welcome to to drop us an email. Yes, yes, by all means. I think it's editor at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. I think it was a Rory. No, Rory. Mm, Rory yeah, Rory. Yeah, that'll get through. Rory, and that'll get through to us. So yes, um, always up for that. Um, the next thing we've got on uh, my notes, I mean, it's the Pro 14. I mean, it's oh, you know, Ospreys, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Connacht. I suppose, like you were saying, Rory, the big question is probably end. Well, one, we don't know who's getting released back, if anybody at all. I suppose the other one is Edinburgh, is who who they're going to end up with at fullback. Yeah. Somebody suggested Tom Brown, but I thought he'd retired. But I think he's, I think uh, he's playing, playing, he playing in America. Something. Dougie Fife's playing in America, isn't he? Dougie Fife's in America. I think Tom Brown's retired, yeah. Well, there Watch we go. this space, guys. Keep your phones nearby. 
Yeah, yeah Schumann. Uh, Chamberlain <laughs> could play there. Oh, be, uh, you know what? That wouldn't be the worst move, actually. It would be a great way to get more minutes on the park um, in a competitive environment when he's maybe not at fullback, got as many decision-making um, responsibilities. I think it's a, a good way to do it. I mean, it's not it's not quite the same as like Dan Carter playing twelve for his first match and then like going to ten, but you know, the 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 theory is the same. Yeah, um, I don't know if this is Alan McDonald suggesting that you stick Pinball Mishard in, but I don't really know um, if he's suggesting that Hamish Watson can then plays on Sunday as well. I wouldn't put it past him. Rude Jackson think, did that one year, didn't he? He did, yeah. He, he, he was called up last. Um, it was when Hogg pulled up in the Australia That's game right. with a with an injury and uh, Byron McGuigan came in. Rudy Jackson went on to the bench. He was the 24th man. And then he didn't even stay for the aftermatch stuff. He immediately got on his on his merry to head down. To, it was Cardiff, Glasgow were playing in. Uh, yeah. And he was on his merry way down there and then played, uh, I think he played 60 minutes for Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, someone suggesting that Tom Brown is in the uh, seven setup. Um, I, I thought he was, eh? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Alan said he was suggesting the the pinball mishard for for a jingles thing. I think we did. I, I don't know. Did I do a pinball mishard song at some point? I can't remember. Somewhat. I don't keep. I don't. Keep, I don't catalogue these things. To the tune of pinball wizard, possibly wizard. Yeah, that's well. That's yeah. I might, that might be a Patreon only one for rights reasons. <laughs> so I can confirm that on the Edinburgh Rugby website, Tom Brown is a four hundred four page. <laughs> <laughs> So he's an error, technically. <laughs> Tom Brown is a system glitch right now. Tom, if you're listening, tell us what, what the hell you're up to. Tell you why, you're why, up, are you, uh, why are you a 404, mate? Come on. I'm pleased it's not a, four tw- I'm pleased it's not a 420 error. Yeah. <laughs> 500 are the worst. That means something's gone really badly wrong. <laughs> um, on that note, then, we're going to move on and we're going to do this. Yes, it's Hands in the Ruck. It's our any other business section of the podcast where we ask you to get in touch with things that have annoyed you, things that have pleased you from Scottish rugby and further afield. Uh, We've had quite a few in this week um, when I can find them. Um, Our super secret Patreon page where if you sign up to the Patreon, you can become a member of... Um, Alan McDonald got in touch, although he's watching this live. So I mean, he could have he could comment if he wanted to. Um, he says uh, his hands in the ruck is Nigel Owens channeling Sure by trying to turn back time at the end of the thrilling final European final, uh, leading to a sense of anticlimax. There was a lot of people unhappy with how he spoke to the TMO. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to mention. That. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I particularly like the, I'm not interested in technically, yes or no, please. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing was, I thought that he kind of explained what he wanted quite clearly in terms of the time and the other time. And then I thought the TMO, I got really confused because I couldn't work out if actually the TMO was telling him that they'd done the right thing or the wrong thing. or So I don't know what whether it was actually justice was served or not. I've no idea. 
I think it was no. all done to cover up the fact that maybe Nigel just didn't ask for the time to go back on. And well, it, yeah, one thing I would point out is that in Nigel Owens, um, it was his episode of the Chase was on that night, so there was every chance that he knew it was on repeat on ITV two, and he was rushing home to to watch himself. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a yeah. bit. It was a bit mad, really, wasn't it? And. Um, I mentioned it to a few folks, and the the reply was, "Oh, they're all out of practice." Oh, <laughs> um, Cameron Scott got in touch. His his hands in the ruck is the awful saltiness coming from the Welsh over Scott saying Finn Russell deserves a call up to the Lions. They truly believe Dan Bigger is miles better than he is. I think that's a tale as old as time on this podcast. I too have had this argument. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the Welshman or just just. Just in general, yeah, with the Welsh, a Welsh person, yeah. I think it was because I called him Dan the Wine Bigger, and that—that's what <laughs> wound him up. <laughs> Triggered, it. Triggered. It's, yeah. It's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I mean, Wales have got such a legacy of fantastic running um, fly halves, and yet they seem to think that Dan Bigger, who is an average fly half who can kick the ball really high and is able to get in the road of people and get fouled when he jumps. Think they think that's some sort of like, you know, the reincarnation of, of Edwards or something. It's it's ridiculous. They're they're oh, I'm trying not to be hey, no. controversial, but they're silly. That's the line starting ten you're talking about there. Well exactly. He's yeah, yeah, not yeah. even first pick ten for Wales anymore. Is he first pick ten at Northampton? I think so, yes. Probably. Yeah, they're yeah. spending a lot of money on them. They 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 couldn't really just justify having them. Yeah. You know. And they've got to do something to get, you know, basically they've realized that to get uh Naya Rivaro um uh, easy for me to say, uh, to get the big man, big tack, um any sort of chance at scoring tries, they've got to kick the ball into the corners and uh, have him run in from five meters or he gets a bit tired, so yeah. Um, the other hands in the ruck was the shield got in touch to say hands in the ruck has to be about Sam Hilda Algo Klein's hands in the ruck which is a magnificent <laughs> oh, turnover from the side yeah it was, it was from the side to be fair but I mean it's hard to tell for a scrum half because they're just going to get shunted at the way and look like they're coming from the side anyway because they have to they're too small I, I think I think Owen uh, Nigel Owens has come out and um, had something to say regarding his uh Inconsistent performance at the weekend as well. I think it's it's a thrown thrown an answer to some of his critics. Was he blasting critics as BBC? Uh, not BBC Wales. What's the Wales Online? Board oh yeah, Wales. <laughs> Owens blast critics. There was. I think oh it was God. a tweet. I think what you were saying is somebody replied to a tweet, and I, I think it was one of these innocent things where someone said, "What a game Nigel Owens had," and it was a. Was a, a former pro, and someone replied and said, "I thought he was very patronising, actually." And <laughs> Nigel Owens came back and said, "Who do you think you are?" And the guy said, "Oh, I'm sorry." I said, "Well, who's you been patronising? You've come in and been patronising to the guy." And then he <laughs> the guy and then apologised to you. See, humour can sarcasm can be hard on the internet. Maybe Nigel was just having a wee. He was being a bit meta, having a joke. And the, the guy didn't get it. Didn't yeah, maybe. He was being patronizing. He was jokingly being patronizing. But you he can't tell. Being, and no. particularly liked how patronizing he was. I don't know what Finn Russell said to him when I think Finn was going to kick a penalty into touch. 
and all we heard from Owens was, I, I think you'll manage, I think you'll manage, boy. Um, and I don't know what Finn said to him, but obviously Nigel had utmost confidence in his abilities. So, <laughs> so he was like, can you, can you believe after this, I'm only allowed to have two beers? <laughs> Speaking of which, this is a nice segue. Um, Alan, oh. Alan Donald got in touch. To his hands in the ruck was, it's a photo of three international colleagues sharing a beer after a game. Get over it. This is the <laughs> photograph that appeared everywhere. On every yeah, rug, rugby half and half, values. yeah, rugby half and half Twitter account saying, oh, "What a sport! There's no other sport like it." And it was Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell toasting each other with a can of beer. After and it's like they're, they're friends. It's like, dude, they're not sociopaths who've played a game yeah. of rugby against each other. I'm going to ignore you. No, pretend I don't even know you until we're in the Scotland camp. Johnny Gray was cruelly cut out of that that yeah, photograph yeah. as well. That, that's Lesser yep. spotted grey, getting because uh, it because it doesn't fit the narrative, I guess. No, but that like like a lot like I ever said, it's just three three guys who know each other having a chat after a game of rugby. I don't think there's any. I, I think that I'm pretty sure that happens in every sport. Well, yeah, think... Alan Alan Dimmick found a few examples. He had one of some uh, American football players having a chat from opposite teams after a game. I mean, it's pretty standard. <laughs> in, in, especially in, a, in this country, you know, where most of the players will come across each other at one po- one point or another, and, and they all played at the same time at Glasgow yeah. and won a title together and were part of a squad for like six years together. Yeah, I yeah. think you know the, the the one beer jokes were legitimate. Just one beer jokes were legitimate, you know. But I think anything more than like this, you know, people actually salivating and getting getting aroused by the fact that two people were having a beer in a civilised conversation after a game of rugby was a bit, it went a bit too far. I was quite disappointed that uh, there weren't any hashtag rugby values photos of them cleaning the, uh, cleaning the stand afterwards. <laughs> all the tape and, rug, tape and squashed up plastic bottles they had to go, guys, you know, get the, get the brushes I out. I've missed yeah. a trick there, haven't exactly. they? they... I, had, I don't know, I talked about this in the podcast, I had an argument with somebody on Twitter because there was a shock. There was, there was two <laughs> guys... <laughs> Here's me have it. Was it Were you was it w- correcting them about something? I know. No, it was. There was. It was a photo after. I can't, can't remember which who it was. And um, oh, I might be sales shocked, but they were sweeping up in a, a dressing room, and one was using a squeegee mop to sweep up the dry mud. And I was like, "Well, I don't." And I honestly didn't believe. I think what it looked like they'd been told. Like brought in uh, after post match, they look the cleaners are nearly done. Can you guys come and hold a couple of rooms and we'll take photos for the social media? That's what it looked like. And someone, and then I got in an argument about the technicalities of how you use a squeegee mop because I was trying to say, Well, that guy's not using the squeegee right. And they were saying, No, you could clear the mud first. I said, No, you, you, you sweep the mud up, then you hose it down, and then you use your squeegee to get rid of the muddy water. Yeah. You don't have somebody with a dry brush and a squeegee going at the, the mud at the same time because that's just going to muddy up your squeegee. So when you go to squeegee the water later on, you end up with more muddy water. Yep. This is science. Clearly a man who has humbly cl- cleaned the sheds at some point. Yeah, I know, my, I know I'm not talking about. I used to, you know, I've, I've swept many a, a wet room floor in my day. <laughs> Honestly, hey, John, they... what's, your, what's your hands in the ruck this week? Uh, so... <laughs> I've been kind of pondering. Uh, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go with it, Rory. I'm going to go with the uh, the, the the interesting chat. I, I don't know. I'm I'm neither 
I don't think I'm even that annoyed about this. It's more just intrigued about the logic behind this. But um, there, there was a comment recently on the the, the Scottish Rugby Forum regarding um, players and people not having hairy legs anymore in rugby. <laughs> Uh, and there was like people were going into the actual science of this saying like well some players you know it's maybe it's from the tape from you know from the lifting uh, the second rows might not might have damaged the hair follicles and therefore you know they actually used to have hairy legs but they don't anymore uh, and some people you know maybe it's all that uh, kinesiology tape they have to put on and, and so I was thinking this is bonkers what, 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 why are we why and someone commented saying that um, that the person in question's TV must have been much more HD than theirs because they'd never really noticed um, and never really got those close-ups to find out. So, um, but I guess it got me thinking. I mean, I've I've, I've never really contemplated the the hirsute nature of Scottish rugby players uh, in any way, shape, or form. But you know, you you got to contemplate all of life's mysteries. Now, according to WilkinsonSword.com. And we're not sponsored by them, although yes. you know other razor other razor if brands are available. Those those what are the, the razor company. Every podcast. This is how I knew we were never going to be make it as a oh, podcast. Yeah, no, every every podcast yeah. was was um was sponsored by mail order razors, and we were not. But I think that's more just because they, they took one look at our uh, our Twitter profiles and realised we were not <laughs> not razor we were not guys. acquainted with razors. Um, they, <laughs> so WilkinsonSword.com says that rugby players. Uh, shave their legs to make themselves harder to grapple in a tackle. I don't know how much adhesion or grip you'd get from. From I mean, obviously they're not grasping onto. We're not talking about guys who are like you know long hairy legs where you're grabbing onto the hair. I think it's more just a kind of an, an adhesion benefit. Makes I, you more slippery. Yeah. Then by by that argument, you want really really sweaty players as well. <laughs> So Prince Andrew would be a terrible, terrible Prince rugby Andrew player. would be a shocking rugby player. There you go. You heard it here first, guys. But Bruce Springsteen uh, would be amazing. Yeah. There we go. So I think we're coming up with a new Patreon special, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sweat, sweat uh, spectrum. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, the, the Andrew to Springsteen scale. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 if your technique's right, you're not going to have to rely on your... Like I'm, I'm thinking. I had a conversation with my my daughter recently, and we were talking about the whole, you know, like when you get your pruny fingers in the bath, and how it's like meant to be some sort of, um, you know, evolutionary thing to give you more grip to rocks. It kind of prunes up so you don't slip off rocks as much. Not that you should be climbing rocks after you go for a bath, but you know, I guess some people must have thought that was a good idea. And surely, if you're like playing a game of rugby and you're trying to tackle someone, you're not relying on those like grippy pruny bits to, to try and tackle them. You would normally just smash them with your shoulder and bring them down. Yeah. Just plus, thought. plus wrapping the arms. Of course, yes, yes, yes. I should should add that that's, that's what you're meant yeah, to do. I probably, you know, I don't think anybody's grabbing somebody by the by the thigh with one hand. It's, not, it's not good. T- I think it's a tough tackle, but yeah. No, he was grabbing people by the thigh. I assume I think it's just a young people thing that young people seem to sh- to prefer shaving their bodies. These these kids today, Cam. These, these kids, kids today. today that's honestly. that's what the fa- that's what the fashion is, isn't it? With their abs and their uh, their Spotify's and their 
Yeah, I think TikToks. TikToks, yeah. 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 I think Rob Harley could show them a thing or two, you know, dad bods and <laughs> I know. I bet he's not shaved his legs. <laughs> if anyone knows if Rob Harley does shave his legs, get in touch. <laughs> Rory, while you do uh, while you do your hands in the rocks, I'm gonna Google photos of Rob Harley. <laughs> okay. His legs legs in particular. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I don't really have much of a hands in the rock other than um, I've decided to start policing people posting team lists on the uh, on the rugby blog comments in a vertical format because it's occurred to me that if you're looking at it on a mobile and somebody's posted a full 23-line comment, including spaces, uh, that's probably more scrolling than you want if there's four or five of them. Somebody posted two teams, I think the first team and a second team. Um, so, yeah. We're we're telling everyone to post their post their teams in a single line paragraph sort of thing, like we do in the on, on the site itself, um, to keep things neat. Um, but I do have a hands in the ruck from uh, Jane Robertson on Twitter, who said uh, that lilac strip, uh, especially with the blue and white striped opposition. So a bit of a kick clash in the Champions Cup final, and it seems strange that completely obvious things like that still get missed in this day and age. The fact that, especially as there's no crowd, everyone's watching it on TV. Um, that you can't actually uh, tell the, tell them apart from a distance, especially as nobody told me it was on Channel Four. So I was watching <laughs> the whole first half on an on an iPad screen, and then I thought, why is everyone going on about Channel Four? And I thought I could have been watching this in the big telly. <laughs> my, my I could have been watching it. I could have been watching without it without Austin Healy as well. I know. I could have been watching about trying to figure out how to get free BT Sport, and then I just gave up in the end. I thought I was watching the highlights. Favorite uh, story from trying to watch the European Cup, and I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning it, was uh, uh, Rhiannon McCrory, who, um, bless her, uh, listened to the second half on the radio because she believed she couldn't watch the game. And uh, then someone afterwards pointed out it was on Channel 4, and she was very, very, very upset about this. Yeah, see, now I'm quite upset that I've just you just told me it was just on Channel Four because I didn't realise that until now. All right. I was following. I was following it on Twitter because my BT Sport. I thought I had free. I thought I had free uh, BT Sport through my E contract, but I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I've got it through the the broadband, but um, well, I thought I had it through I the broadband too because I've got BT, but I, yeah. apparently I don't. No, I'm not, no. On the right contra- I'm not on the right contract. So then I thought I'll just give it up and I'll work out how to watch it later on. And then I decided that then, you know, other things got in the way and I didn't have time to watch it back. But if I'd known it was on Channel 4, I would have watched it. So yeah, it might be on the, the four-player, oh, but you probably It's probably on catch-up, so yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, my hands in the ruck is... Um, the It was a tweet by Rob Kitson off The Guardian who was complaining that rugby had lost its soul because um, Leicester Tigers have um, sold the naming rights to the stadium. So it's now the Mat- Mattioli Woods Welford Road instead of just Welford Road. He was bemoaning the kind of lack of, you know, the, the loss of rugby soul and said, I'm never going to call it anything other than Welford Road. And that kind of struck me. I know we kind of had this kind of hand-wringing in Scotland when it was BT Murrayfield instead of just Murrayfield. But I think in the current climate, people moaning about clubs doing anything they can just to stay afloat and get money in is pretty rich. And it's pretty mean, mean-hearted because, you know, it, it helps... You know any um, any mention you can do to something like BT Murrayfield or the M- M- Matteoli Woods Welford Road Stadium then justifies the sponsorship deal. That means that then the company sponsoring you is going to pay you to sponsor again, 
and possibly sponsor more if they feel like it's having an impact. And especially at the minute when you know money's so scarce, rugby's pretty much a sport that's on its knees. It seemed a, a very a very anti-rugby thing to want to do. See, I'm preserving its soul. I'm not going to mention say it's been it's sold its name. It seemed kind of spite, but you know, cut off your nose to spite your face. So that bothered me this week. Especially given that someone pointed out later on in the thread that he had previous of using the club. Uh, so, um, stadium that had been sponsored um, by uh, or named, and he had previous on this, and he denied that he ever had. But of course, the person dug out the examples very quickly for him, which uh, <laughs> you got to love Twitter for that. Eh? But yeah, I like this from Alan McDonald. He said, Rob Kitson's yeah. employers at the Guardian are always begging cash off the website readers, so okay. it's a bit rich for him commenting on that. Does, yeah, does that mean that? Because of the internet exists, that journalism has lost its soul. Then, as well, it's obviously, in the internet's fault that journalists and websites are having to newspaper websites are having to beg for cash. Yeah, there you go. That's us going proper, mate, isn't it? Well, there but, we go. Uh, there, I think. Well. I think with Rob as well, it's quite it's quite interesting just to think that um, you know if he just refuses to use the name, then he'll also find himself lacking in a, a press pass very quickly. I should you, would, so. you would have thought so. Yes. Yeah. You would have, yeah. Um the uh, the other thing we've got before we go is um anybody who's seen this on Twitter I think it went up yesterday is um Tommy Seymour has uh read The Snail and the Whale on Twitter and it's 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 one of the nicest, most loveliest thing you will ever see. And he he reads it beautifully. And it's it's a story I've read to my kids many a time and um, no, he reads it very nice. It's for Glasgow Loves Reading 20 um, to support uh, the campaign for reading. And he reads it really, really well. So we asked people earlier today, if you could have any Scottish rugby player past or present to read you a bedtime story, who would it be and why? And I said, Jeff Cross, beard's optional the night before Christmas. Obviously, if he wants to dress up as Santa Claus, not force him. <laughs> I'll foot the cost of him dressing as Santa Claus as well. That that'd be my choice. Uh, did you you have any choices before I go into the listeners' choices, John? So I was I was thinking um, about people I would like to read a bedtime story to, uh, and was actually thinking of one one of my one of my my, my favourites uh, for reading to my daughter was where the wild things are, um, and uh, I was just thinking who's going to be the most receptive in the current squad to that. And it's obviously George Horn. I think he, he would he would just sit there. I think he would sit there cross-legged and just be like like, like totally captivated by it. So that's I would if George is up for that, I'm 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 happy to 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 read that to him. Yeah, I I think I could probably arrange. Rory, did you have any thoughts on this? Um, not really. Uh, seeing as it's almost Halloween, I'm thinking you could go the opposite way and get like Al Kellick to read you Dracula or something. Well, that was Johnny McGinty's was his suggestion was Al Kellogg reading the famous kids' bed story "Go the F to Sleep." Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would work. Um, yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah, um, that was one of Genevieve's favourites as well, actually. Funnily enough, <laughs> but we had to we had to come up with a creative way to obviously. So we changed the F bit to bloop, and it's quite a funny story if you if you change F to bloop, and then obviously there's other swear words in there as well that you have to get creative about. It's it's. It, when you're pretty sleep deprived, it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Well, we've been going through the old Dahl books and and reading some of the culturally inappropriate things. Um, oh yes. That, that, that <laughs> some creative, 
rewriting on the hoof as well. Um, we've got Dougie Lowe came up with, uh, he says, story time has to be Jim Telfer reading The Three Little Pigs with plenty of references to rocking and keeping their poor kind heads low. <laughs> Um, what else do we have? Uh, D4 said, Jim Telfer reading The Night Before Christmas. But Warrior Grant says, Sean Lamont reading The Gruffalo in Scots. Sean Lamont probably believes The Gruffalo is real. Um, <laughs> I was thinking Finn Russell reading anything by like Fantastic Mr. Fox would be a hit. Finn Russell's kind of... Doctor, Finn Russell reading Doctor Zeus. Green eggs and yeah. ham. <laughs> there you go. I like though this is Martin Bell. This is the, the one we're going to end on today. Martin Bell says, given today's Lions bombshell, I'm assuming that the legally mandated Lions chat could also cover the bedtime story request, in which case I'll have Warren Gatland reading The Lion Who Came to Tea. Nice. So for our Patreons, I will read a version of The Lion Who Came to Tea. Nice. Involving a lion who comes to tea and maybe has one too many beers and is asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what you'll get on your Patreon podcast. So you'll have to pay three pounds. If you pay three pounds, you can cancel it straight away. You pay three pounds. You don't get your money back, but you could you could pay three pounds just to listen to that and then not subscribe again next month. Does, 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 the, uh, does he come down to breakfast in a Japan top the next morning? <laughs> we shall see. All will be revealed. <laughs> but I haven't. I've, unfortunately, I left the tiger who came to tea up in my son's bedroom tonight. And he was still awake when I came down to start doing this, so I have to sneak up there now and go and nab it and try and try and change it. And I'll I'll, I'll stick it to the end of the Patreon podcast uh, for our patrons. But um, so hopefully that'll help you get to sleep if you listen to this before bedtime. Um, for the moment, though, uh, we'll see you next week, uh, either Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll, we'll keep an eye on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll tell you where when it is. Probably most likely Tuesday. Uh, but for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and John. Goodbye. Hey, oh.